Hi, Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast, buying, selling, renting or investing in property. I'm sure we'll have something that floats your boat and lights your candle. It's been a great week, a really good week at uh, work, I have to say. Uh, Got back from Glen Bar, I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the show on the Monday holiday and then got fired into work. And at the end of Tuesday, I had to give a seminar for the property leverage group. John Mann had asked me to go along to the Pond Hotel. Haven't done much of the presentating seminar stuff, so um, that was quite a new experience for for me. But you know what? Of all the sort of experience that I've gained as far as doing the podcast is concerned, it was really, really good fun. I really had a great time there. And all of you who are listening, who were at the Property Leverage Group, I'm hoping you had a great time and that you picked up some good nuggets. And that's really going to be the the guts of our show today. We're going to talk about the changes, the PRA changes that are going to affect those landlords that are going to have four or more properties. In some ways, I'm a little bit hacked off in having to actually do the presentation again because the whole intention was that I was going to press the recorder and all I was going to do was drop that recording taken live at the seminar, drop that recording into the recording today. But you know what? Halfway through my presentation, my eye was drawn to this flashing light and my heart just sank because I've seen that flashing light before and all that flashing light means is you ain't got the recorder on. So me bad, I can't believe I did it. I was absolutely furious with myself, but it is what it is and uh, it'll allow me to um, get more, I think, out from this seminar and hopefully you'll just enjoy it as much as you did the seminar on Tuesday. So that's going to be the rump of the show. Let me tell you what we've been up to It's been incredibly busy as far as uh, everything outside work is concerned. September, when we're dictating this, uh, September generally is change over time for a lot of my flats. Um, We've got a flat at Rupert Street. Luckily enough there, we've got the tenants, in fact, who are living downstairs from us have taken on the flat that I'm renting out at Rupert Street. So that's great, they've signed a two year lease and so we're all good with that. And then we've had tenants out at Herbert Street, they've now just changed in, so the lease has just been signed there last week. And then just this morning, I was putting the final touches on a flat that we've got in Tilly Street in Kelvin Bridge for a lovely Indonesian family that have come over. He's doing a master's degree and him and his wife and his little, lovely, lovely little daughter who must be about 16 months old, just bundle of, bright as a button, bundle of life. So they've moved into Tilly Street. 
just before I started this, um, I've already had two text messages from him saying that he can't lock the door. So it's just the usual rough and tumble that you get. If you're a landlord, you'll know all about that and you're letting the properties yourself. So Tilly Street, I was doing the place up at Tilly Street. And it's probably taken about a week, week and a bit. The place is a bit, a bit tired. So I got some new carpets in and uh, got some painting done. So I was going over there at sort of strange hours, half past nine, ten o'clock at night, and uh, I was trying not to uh, make too much noise as I uh, deposited uh, paint and and, and uh, other bits and pieces just to tidy the place up. And uh, I didn't think I was making a, a big noise. You know, I'm appreciative of the fact that I own properties that I rent out, and that there clearly will be people who will be living there who don't rent properties out. But then I hear this old woman coming down the stairs and she shouts, Oi! Oi! And I said, Yes, can I help you? He said, Stop making noise. And I'm thinking to myself, I've not made that much noise. And then before I could even utter another apology, she says, I know you. You're a bad neighbour. And I thought, I don't know the woman from Adam. A complete nutcase. I'm living with nutcases. So I just, I thought, it was 10 o'clock at night. I thought, you know what? I'm not even going to take the old bat on. But completely mad as a box of frogs. Absolutely off her head. So that was Tilly Street. I'm glad that we've got it all sorted out and we're back on renting that. Um, various other things have been happening at work, one of which is the uh, resurgence of gazumping. Uh, gazumping is where you as an individual think you've done a deal on a property only for the property, for the property to be sold underneath your feet from another party who has made an offer. It shouldn't happen. Uh, ultimately, it's very difficult to stop it happening in the event that the seller wants to take the higher offer. But this story that I heard was absolutely appalling. Uh, the went to a closing date. The closing date uh, allowed this couple to be successful. And then within the space of, I think, half an hour, an hour, another offer came in from a solicitor and um, it was accepted. I mean, completely so wrong on so many levels. Um, and I have to say, if that is now what we're dealing with, then the whole system is going to go to hell at a hand in a handbag because that's just something that shouldn't, shouldn't happen. You know, if you as a solicitor are approached by a client who has been unsuccessful on a closing date and they ask you to put in another higher offer um, shortly after the closing date, you know, you've got to start asking yourself some questions because, uh, you know, you're for the high jump if the, the law society get hold of that kind of thing. Really, it's so unprofessional and I was astonished when the estate agent told me that particular story. 
the LBTT 3% additional surcharge is also rearing its head in so many ways where the legislators, there's no way that some of the stories I've been hearing, there's no way that in coming up with that additional 3% surcharge that the legislators actually thought that they were going to catch these people. Um, had one where the uh, client of mine had inherited a property from her father. It was in uh, another country and it looked very much as if she was going to get caught by the 3% surcharge. And the only reason why she didn't was because although at the end of the day she was going to end up with two properties, what she was doing was she'd already had a property and she was in rented accommodation at the moment. And so what we could argue was that she was in fact replacing her residential property with another residential property. And so therefore we managed to get round the 3% surcharge. But there are so many people um, who are being caught by that, that really the legislation is not there to catch those people. The legislation is there to catch those landlords who are, in my point, my view, are um, buying additional properties to create an additional income. I think the legislators have to look at this and I think that what you should be allowed is one property. Yeah, I think you should be given one property, an additional property that you don't have to pay the surcharge. That will avoid all of these circumstances where uh, clients inherit property and you know what it would also do something with regard to the second home market and that would then allow for those properties that are in coastal towns and villages they will continue to change hands and keep the economy moving so that's what I think they'll do will the legislators uh, listen to me probably not um, but I think that would be a sensible option because really it is so unfair that clients are being caught um, and they pulled their hands up and said, well, listen, that wasn't the intention. I feel as if I'm prattling on a bit. I'm going to start off with the, the seminar just in a moment. But one thing that I wanted you to know is that when you're going out to look at property, it is absolutely vital, probably one of the most important things is to ask questions, but then listen. Listen intently to the answers that you are given because that slightest bit of information that you are given, for me, who is going to negotiate the price on your behalf, information, as I always say to my clients, information is absolutely king. And the more information you can give me, then the better I'm going to be able to negotiate on your behalf. So I'll give you an instance where we had a couple who had approached me, they'd gone out to the property and the uh, client had come back to me and had said that it was the female of the household who was doing the viewings. And she kept talking about I. I want to move here. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. It was never we. So that sort of pricked the conscious of my client because there were kids' bedrooms there. And what, in essence, my client thought was that there was a potential matrimonial split here. 
And that is important because if there's a matrimonial split, then there's angst amongst the, amongst the, the, buyer, the, the seller. And so therefore they may be prepared in the circumstances to look at accepting a quick offer. Because this property had only just come onto the market, it was in a good location, and it looked very much as if in all likelihood it would be going to a closing date. And without that information, I would probably be saying to the clients, listen, just hold fire here. No point in showing your hand, making an offer because it's likely to go to a closing date. But with the information that we got and the fact that there was a potential matrimonial split, I phoned up the estate agents and I started asking questions of the estate agents and she played very much with a straight bat. But there was one question that she responded to that made me pretty much 100% sure that there was a matrimonial split. She came back after I asked the questions and she said, listen, I've looked at the notes and from my reading of the notes, it looks as if they're looking for a quick sale. So to me, that meant that obviously there was something on the, the, the notes there that had mentioned that they were splitting up and were wanting a quick, quick sale. So we don't know how that's going to work out. i hoping we're going to make an offer um, next week. So we'll just see how we get on with that and uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. It's now ticked on 13 minutes. I know I've been prattling on. Let's get into the seminar. And it's all about landlords got four or more properties and the changes to the funding that have been brought about by the PRA. Here's the seminar. regulation authority you will be aware if you're in the landlord game that over the last I don't know 18 months two years there has been a whole raft of legislation and it must feel that for landlords anyway that you're just getting kicked every time uh, from this new legislation first of all back in the day you had landlord registration then you had the gas safety checks you had to hire hardwire the smoke alarms these are all things that you know what it had to happen the thing everybody had to clean their act up but things like three percent additional stamp duty the stress test that was spoken about in the earlier episodes the income stack changes those are three changes that just kicked the landlords in the teeth there's a lot of people now who are potentially thinking that they may want to get out of the landlord game because it's harder and harder to make any money out of it. But you can still make money out of it. You've just got to be sharper. 
you've got to make sure that you do your necessary due diligence it's all about due diligence isn't it you've also got the pat tests that are coming in on the electrical items and also finally the legionella checks so change is the only constant as far as landlords are concerned and hopefully this next change that is going to happen is going to be the final change as far as the way that lenders are looking to lend. Certainly we're going to talk probably in the next couple of episodes about the changes with regards to tenancies but the PRA, the, the Prudential Regulation Authority have brought in this new regulation which means that the whole landscape for those landlords are going to change but before you decide to jump off a cliff and sell your whole portfolio you need to keep remembering that it still can be a really good investment you know property for the right property in the right location it's a great investment money's never been cheaper what are you going to do for your retirement state retirement age continues to be pushed out and pushed out volatility in the markets with brexit the huge changes in the markets on that brexit vote and there will continue to be volatility in the markets maybe less volatility as far as owning property is concerned and if you're going to keep your money in the bank well you know what with interest rates being as low as they are then it's going to be a real struggle so just before we go and talk about the new rules for four plus landlords let's talk about the old ones so you've got your individual properties the rules were always and this again applies to those pro those landlords that have got three or less properties the, the lenders when they're looking to lend you they will look on the individual property itself and nothing else okay so as long as you pass the stress test that's to say you're 145 percent at 5.5 percent just to make sure in essence what that means is that there has to be sufficient rental income coming in in order to pay the mortgage so that's the stress test you've then got your income requirements a lot of lenders now are insisting upon a minimum income of around about £25,000 and then of course you've got the LTVs, generally speaking you're looking at LTVs at 75%. These rules will still remain and they will be based on an individual property. There are big changes afoot though with the PRA and there are new rules of the game that you as a landlord need to understand so i'm going to cover the main three rule changes what you need to understand is that you can forget if you've got four or more properties these rules that i'm going to have to i'm going to explain to you they relate to your whole portfolio not just the individual so your whole portfolio has to 
ensure that these rules are complied with because if they aren't complied with then the lenders ain't going to be lending you any money so when you want to remortgage one of your portfolio or you want to try and increase the size of your portfolio then you have to ensure that you're able to answer these three specific rules and it's against your whole portfolio. So the first one is 75%, your loan to value. Before the lenders will even look at you, your whole portfolio must have 75% or less as far as loan to value is concerned. Now that's in connection with Birmingham Midshire's one of the biggest landlord lenders. There are other lenders out there who potentially will have less of a loan to value. I've been just doing some research before I started recording and I've come across, well, NatWest, they're looking at 75% uh, and Coventry. Coventry are down at 65%. So if you want to remortgage or get a new mortgage with Coventry Building Society, Godiva is their buy to let arm. You're going to have to have your portfolio at 65% loan to value. So if you've bought in the heady days of 2006, 2007, and you've got a lot of your stock that is based upon that kind of purchase price, then you might be struggling. Your whole portfolio might be underwater. And in which case, it's gonna be a struggle for you to add to that portfolio and probably more worryingly it's going to be difficult potentially for you to remortgage that when it comes to the end of your fixed rate. So that's rule number one. Let's talk rule number two. Rule number two, let's talk stress test. So again this is over the whole of your portfolio and the stress test for Birmingham Midshires is a hefty 145% at 5.5%. So what that means is that you have to have sufficient rental income coming in that will satisfy a stress test of 5.5% on what you are borrowing and that has to be 145% of the mortgage. Your, your rental income has to be 145% of the amount borrowed at 5.5%. Now, if you've got a strong yield and you bought sensibly, then stress test probably not going to be a big issue. That West there, they're looking at 5.5% at 135%, so slightly less on the stress test. And Coventry, Coventry, they were wanting 65% loan to value, weren't they? They're only looking at 125% at 5.5%. So as we go through these three rules, what you'll see is that a lot of the lenders have got different criteria. And again, if you are looking, if you're a landlord and you've got four or more properties, then you're best going to speak to a broker because it's 
going to become a minefield out there. And in order for you to get the best deals, you need to get your power team sorted out and make sure that the broker understands what the new rules are. So that stress test at 145%, at 5.5% over the whole of your portfolio. Remember, this is on the whole of your portfolio and not just that one property that you're looking to add. The good news is that they will take into account other buy-to-let properties that are unencumbered. So if you've got properties that are unencumbered then and are, are buy-to-let properties, then you can use those to help those properties where you're maybe struggling as far as the stress test is concerned. It's really, really important that you understand the changes that are about to affect the landlord market. And rule three is all about minimum income. There was Birmingham Midshires, one of maybe three lenders out there who were not overly concerned in the past as far as minimum income is concerned. The Mortgage Works, Coventry and Birmingham Midshires were three lenders that really weren't overly concerned as far as minimum income is concerned. So many of the other lenders were looking at a minimum income of £25,000. But here's the kicker. Birmingham Midshires had just released their portfolio landlord spec and they are now going to be insisting of a minimum earned income of £30,000. Now, this income, what they're saying is there's, it can be defined as earned income from employment or self-employment and also includes the taxable profit from the property portfolio. Not just the rental income, but the taxable profit from the property portfolio. They'll also look at pension income and investment income. But that may be a struggle for you you may find it difficult to reach that minimum income. So that's rule number three, minimum income standards. There's so many of the lenders are insisting upon that in any way. And there's another one who's gone down the route of ins insisting that you need to get minimum income. The good news from mortgage works from from the landlord's perspective is that mortgage works are still not concerned as far as minimum income is concerned so at least you can continue to fill your boots with regards to the mortgage works so those are the three main rules that are going to affect landlords with four or more properties listen there's going to be consequences I think one of the consequences is that there's potentially going to be more opportunities. I think for a lot of landlords who feel as if they've just been downtrodden over the last 18 months or two years, they may feel that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And they may just decide, you know what, I'm just going to get shot of a whole portfolio. And what that means is that there's going to be a lot of rental properties potentially coming back onto the market. 
and they may well be looking for quick sales. Because as I'm going to discuss in a moment, when the music stops and the bank say to lenders who cannot comply with the three rules, then they may have to offload the properties pretty quickly because the bank are going to come knocking at the door. So as we all know, a market makes a market. And what potentially is going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of properties that are coming onto the market. So if you have got some cash available, some cash to be able to put down as far as the deposit is concerned, then you might be able to fill your boots. I think there definitely will be opportunities out there. I certainly know several, several um, clients who are potentially looking at doing that, offloading their properties. There are other consequences. That's obviously a bit of an upside. If you've got cash available, then you can take an advantage of that change in the market. But I've mentioned what happens when the music stops. What happens once you're playing musical chairs and you're spinning all the plates and the music stops? Are you going to get a chair to sit on? What happens if your portfolio is underwater and you come towards the end of your two-year, three-year, five-year fixed rate? And you go cap in hand back to the lender and you say, you know what, how's about another two-year fixed rate? And the lender looks at you and looks at your books and they say, well, listen, hold on here, we've got your four, you already own four properties. You're going to have to now comply with these three rules. What happens if you don't comply with the three rules? Are the lenders going to turn around and say, hold on, and are they going to hide behind the PRA regulations? And are they going to say, listen, we can't lend? Or are they going to say, well, we can only lend on a variable rate and we can't give you any special treatment because you do not comply with the regulations that we've had to put in place to satisfy the PRA. So they may put a gun to your head. Whether or not that happens, I think a lot of lenders are seeing this as an opportunity to clean up their mortgage book. And I think within four or five years, what they will end up looking at trying to do is to clean up their book sufficiently and get rid of all the rubbish. So it may well be that there's a whole raft of properties that come back onto the market through repossession. What happens when the music stops? And if you're in that situation, then maybe what you should be starting to consider to do is to actually pay in to your mortgage and treat it like a capital and interest mortgage so that you reduce the amount that is owed to the bank and therefore reduce the LTV so that by the time your two year fixed rates come to an end or three or whatever fixed rates come to an end, that you know where you sit. So I think what you should be doing if you're a landlord of four more properties, I think that you, this, you need to be using this as an opportunity of reviewing 
where you sit with regards to your portfolio. And it may be time to offload the underperformers, offload the ones that don't comply with the three-step rule. The final consequence. We've had two consequences. The market makes a market. I think that there will be opportunities. What happens when the music stops? I think that there is going to be some casualties. And the third is blood on the carpet. Will there be blood on the carpet at the end of this? Will there be landlords who are told that they have to sell their portfolio otherwise the banks are going to repossess? I think that there is a lot of landlord portfolios still out there that have got issues with regards predominantly to LTV okay and also I think there's a huge amount of portfolios out there that are struggling on the stress test purely because they've used the theory which worked in the past on a rising market that you buy cheap and then you get your money out use that money to go again with another property. So if you're already leveraged up to the hilt and the market hasn't caught up, then at the end of the two year fixed rate, you might be struggling. So I do think that there is potentially gonna be some blood on the carpet at the end of all of this. But as I say, time will tell. And we will all be in the hands of the lenders. So it's going to be interesting over the next little while as to how the banks are going to use this. Because if the banks come down on landlords like a ton of bricks, then it's going to be messy. It's going to be very, very messy. And what you could find is that you know there could be a hit as far as property prices are concerned, that's probably not what the banks want at this particular stage where we're negotiating Brexit and then is there another referendum on the cards. So in summing up, this is only to do with four or more properties. If you've got less than four properties and three or, three or less, then it's still the old rules, but the new rules are all about these three rules which will affect the whole of your portfolio and they will look at the whole of your portfolio. So the whole of your portfolio has to be LTV'd at 75%. In all likelihood, you're going to have to get a minimum income sorted out somewhere in the region of between 25 and £30,000. And then, of course, you've got the stress test anywhere between... Birmingham Midshire is floating out at 145%, stressed at 5.5%, NatWest 5.5% at 135%, and then we've got Godiva kicking in at 125% at 5.5%. Those three new rules, and they're enveloped around the whole of your portfolio, but don't forget the consequences. I think that there will be opportunities for those of you out there I do think that there will be negative consequences in that there will be those 
who potentially are already under the water with regards to the new rules, I would tell you to start looking at your portfolio and maybe starting to strip out the ones that aren't performing. And then you've got the final consequence, which is the blood on the carpet. And that's very much down to what the lenders and what they are, what view they're going to take with regards to that. Listen, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it was certainly great fun in giving the seminar out to the Pond Hotel for the Property Leverage Group. And if you are members of any other group or you go to um, a property forum meeting, then I would be delighted, absolutely delighted to do that presentation again because I think that it's so important that the landlords among us know exactly what the consequences are going to be with regard to that change in legislation. There's so many changes to the legislation. Um, there's another raft of legislation that's coming in which is going to completely obliterate the short assured tenancy and a new tenancy is going to be coming in very shortly and no doubt there'll be another seminar we'll be giving on that but really front and centre at the moment is very much the PRA and the funding and the changes to that funding with regards to landlords who've got four or more properties. It's Saturday, um, Saturday morning. We've got no hockey for the girls at the school and that's been cancelled. Um, the first team are playing, but uh, number two, number one is uh, she got into the district, which was just unbelievable. My hat goes off to goes out to her. I take my hat off to her. Um, she's just been absolutely just such perseverance, um, you know, having not got into any of the squads when she was 14 and being so uh, disappointed with that. She just knuckled down. She's trained really hard um, and, uh, and she's got the gig. So she's out there. Uh, we're going to go along um, to, I think it's uh, Glasgow Green, that they're playing for the 16s uh, and so she's going to be playing for West. So stoked for her. Hopefully she'll perform. I'm sure she will. And uh, we're going to go and see and have a look at that. Number two is playing against our aunt, which is going to be good fun. So number two is captaining the fourth out at GHK. And uh, we're going to toddle along there and just see some familiar rivalry between uh, number number two and her aunt. So we'll see how that gets on. So that's the hockey. The BNI Ed slot it still rolls around this week. We were again focusing on the mindset side of things and, and trying to bring that round to uh, talking about BNI and mindset. Um, the, the last week's mindset was all about the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset and how you really need to ensure and develop a, a growth mindset. Mindset is one of these things that I think that you, you probably dip from fixed to growth to fixed to growth but what you've got to try and do is develop more of a growth mindset and one of the ways we spoke about last week didn't we about trying to do that was just trying to think that you will always be able to find a solution for a problem because I think that if you've got that mindset then you will actually 
attempt things uh, and, and that's as much about the, the growth side of things is that if you're prepared to attempt things then you begin to develop that growth mindset and the other thing about that is that you've got to have a belief that in doing that things are going to get better so those are the the first uh, tenants of my talk last week and this week we were talking about making sure that you question assumptions we've all you we've all got certain assumptions that we make um, that we've sort of lived with this is both in your personal life and, and also in your work life those assumptions that you just you don't you don't question them but that's what you've got to try and do one of the most important things is questioning those assumptions because if you continue to question those assumptions then you'll think more deeply as to whether or not those fixed assumptions are in fact correct and if you continue to question those then you'll start to grow it's a difficult thing to think about but it is something that if you're going to develop that growth mindset then questioning those long-held assumptions will certainly allow you to move forward and develop that growth mindset this week we didn't do an interview did we we were uh, hoping to get a couple of interviews in the can we definitely have got Robert Nixon back for round two of the interview you will recall that I interviewed Robert Nixon who is the uh, lettings director at Spears Gumley and Muppet here he really erased the interview so we're going to have another go with him and I think what we're going to try and do is get that videoed as well and get that out onto the YouTube channel so I'm going to sign off here um, again anybody who's looking for seminars that they want me to do in connection with anything of a property or finance uh, standpoint then delighted to have a chat offline in connection with that how do you get in touch with me well just using the usual channels you can email me at jonathanwilliams at begleybrown.co.uk just as simple as to look me up on LinkedIn you can join our Facebook group just type into the search bar on the Facebook bricks and mortar podcast and we'll pop up we've got a couple of hundred now on the facebook page and you can join us and subscribe to the podcast that would be great you know what we're as i say so many weeks in a row we're trying to gain traction slowly but surely as long as i can get these out on a weekly basis then we will begin to slowly build traction you can help by sharing these by commenting upon them by putting comments on itunes or stitcher or your other app download of choice so that would be great if you could do that because if you can do that then it'll allow us to move forward with the podcast continue to give you great content and great interviews you have been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It is your property podcast and it does take 
as Saved Ways Luke, our property. Thanks for listening.